right, everybody. Welcome again for another week of Beer and Bullshit with myself, Corey McGee, Jason Boisneau. How you doing tonight, Jay? Not bad. Not bad. Yourself? I am doing okay. Um, this week, finally, we've got these guys in here. Last time, uh, I, I had to fake an illness because uh, I was <laughs> ill-prepared. But we are hanging out with uh, Eric and Scott from Sage. Uh Eric, you're, you're playing in Sage, but Scott, I want you to open up to us a little bit about what exactly your job title and role is in Sage here, because uh, he, Scott's uh, Scott's got a supportive role in yeah. the yep. band. You could say that, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that at some point. But <laughs> at first, uh, I, I'd like to welcome you guys here. Uh, we're really glad to have you guys on the podcast tonight. Uh, again, delving into our local and regional music scene, you guys are are from the out of regions of Timmins, right? Uh, Cochrane. I guess you call it a suburb. Yeah. Does that make sense, Jay? It would not be a suburb, no. <laughs> it would not no. be a suburb? It's a town. <laughs> it's a town? This isn't part of the Cochrane district? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, a fellow district town, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, you guys have uh, have uh, migrated your, mu- your music to our Timmins uh, independent music scene, and, uh, you know, I- I'd like to think that we've welcomed you guys with open arms. Absolutely. It's been good so far. It's been really fun. I think we met about a year ago, eh? At, actually, uh, at the working class? Yeah, actually, yesterday to the day we played our first show in Timmins. Is that what it was? With this thing, and uh, yeah, it was yesterday we played with LaForge and... Uh, Shit, man, so already been, a year, eh? It's been just Shit, over a year since uh, my hiatus, I think. Your hiatus. <laughs> well, you know what? I kind of want to get into that, because before, I, I guess for our listeners, some people might not be very familiar with your band, so... Uh, if you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, your origin story, where thi- where Sage comes from, because if I'm not mistaken, you guys were kind of underwent a few name changes before, and uh, even just going back to older projects that you were involved in before, uh, Eric, and, and I believe, uh, Scott, you were involved with some of these projects as well. Eh? Yeah, I've been uh, involved for, I don't know, since we were 17. Oh, man. But... Uh yeah, take yep. us back. <laughs> yeah, we might as well. Uh, yeah, I've been playing guitar. I got my first guitar in when I was 10. So 1994. Uh, started young. I think everyone got a guitar that year type thing. And uh, I just never uh, never stopped. Uh, played my first bands and when I was like 12. So... Uh, yeah, twelve years old. 12, yeah, you, and where were you guys playing? Like it, it, just around Cochrane? Like, like you're born and raised in Cochrane. Yeah, right? like at the school and like some little parties. You know, I bring a few friends over, but mostly just in the basement. And uh, uh, once I got a little bit older, like fifteen, I was in other bands too. And uh, we play like Erickle Falls and you know around the towns. <laughs> Tim <laughs> you find a, a basement or a bedroom to play in. That's yeah. what it was. Like uh, whoever was throwing a party, we'd convince them to just let it, let the band play in the house and or in the field outside <laughs> and stuff in the summertime, but um a little more uh shows a little bit later, but uh I had uh, a couple bands when I was really young though. Um And what were those bands names? Started off, I think our first band was called uh, Bliss, and that was the 96 one, and then we had a band called Circus Monkeys, about 98, and I played drums and sang in that band, and uh, after that we had a band called Fluke, probably in like 1999 to 2001 type thing, and uh, then we had the one I'm known for the most, I guess, or, or lasted the longest, was uh, The Republic, which started in uh, 2000. Two, towards the end of 2002 
think we did our first show under that name. Okay. And uh, we put out a single. We used to do a lot of cassettes and stuff like that around that time. Four, okay. Four track style. Yeah, yeah. Cassettes and uh, make up our own little covers for them and sell those at shows. Like, and uh, and then I had uh, then we put out our first CD. I think in uh, May of two thousand three. You guys did that with Richie, eh? That was a little bit later. <laughs> 2000 in in uh, November in November of 2005. Okay, so this was like after the no, debut. There. Yeah, okay, we already okay, been in the Republic okay, for sorry. a few years. But my first gig in Timmins was uh, actually hooked up through Ryan Problems. I don't know if you recognize their band. Oh yeah, Ryan Problems, North Bay. Right? North yeah. Bay, right? So Ryan's Ryan's an old school friend of mine from uh, Eric Falls. So his he just has some some cool bands from there when we were kids and. But he had message. Or he had not messages before pre-internet. So he called <laughs> carrier pigeon. <laughs> he he called my house and uh, asked me to fill in because his band couldn't make it that night for some reason uh, at the Victory Tavern, and we opened up for uh, Thirty Years Too Late oh. and uh, Misanthropy, and that was uh, our in. <laughs> I think uh, shortly after that we did a McIntyre Arena show with. Uh, 30 Years Too Late Again, and uh, Hillary Duff's was their first show, yeah. and uh band from Toronto, I forgot the name, but anyway, that's where I met Richie, and uh, I think that uh, that's how that started, started talking to Richie, and I remember calling him, and we decided on recording our debut here in Timmins, and I remember it was on 159 Commercial Avenue, man, and it was in November of 2005, we came down, and it was fucking freezing, <laughs> and we went into Richie's apartment and i think that uh in one day we tracked all the instruments and the next day i had did the vocals and see i'd always heard about this the the republic album that was recorded with richie and he actually put i think he put it up online uh, a couple years <laughs> Which ago. you hear a lot from him so, that way you... <laughs> i heard i heard a lot from him no and and you know what i i, I love richie and richie's uh you know we the guy who supported pretty much everything that that I've ever done, and uh, but he he's got quite the personality, Richie, and and like I I love this guy, but I've always wondered, and I've never like worked with him as far as like doing any kind of audio recordings or production, and I've always kind of wondered how how that process would would be and how it would go. You know? It was it was it was actually fairly quick. I mean, we came down, and uh, I remember banging out the drums. He was very impressed. We were we were rehearsed and ready. And, uh, so you guys are very humble too, right? Richie was very <laughs> impressed. Yeah, it, it was good. We got along good, and uh, it got done fast. I actually remember doing it in two days, listening to it, and thinking that I would like to do some of the vocals again. So I came down the weekend after and did some vocals, and which ended up being the entire album again. And uh, <laughs> just redid the. Whole I redid thing. the whole thing. I did one song, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do the whole thing. So uh, we put that out, and then after that. Uh, we moved, but before that, we had moved to London as a band to try to make it big, right? Oh. Everyone wants to do that. Sure. This that was in 2004, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, life happens, and uh, we had a house, and uh, we played some gigs, we, you know, we played around the, the area, Kitchener and Toronto and stuff like that, and then uh, I ended up coming back to Timmins, to Cochrane, we did all the Timmins stuff a lot, we played uh, Middle Finger Response, a couple other places too. And then uh, I went back to London and tried it again in the 2006 era, and uh, obviously that didn't work. 
but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the, the second time we went, we did something totally different, like out of left field, because we got jobs. The first yeah. time, oh, the first time you guys were just hanging around. Yeah, the money ran out. They cut off the hydro, <laughs> the heat, and all that. I didn't know you had to pay your bills, kind of thing. You yeah, know, we it forgot just, to get uh, jobs when we got there. Yeah, so. <laughs> that, that didn't work. Okay, so the second time you guys like tried to really support yourselves and, and yeah. have a bit of a I don't know a kitty to play in. We had a van, so. The first time we took taxis to shows. So, I mean, that was, that got weird. Like, yeah. No, but I mean, I, I guess that's all part of the journey, right? Is, <laughs> is, is figuring it all out. But what, what's funny, and, and I feel like, um, you know, you, you could definitely explain this a little bit more firsthand about this idea that you had that you're going to go to London and, and make it big in music, right? I guess there's probably not a worse time in history for a band to, to want to make it big, right? It's just like there's there's so much music out there. Yeah, you could be the best band in the world, and you kind of get lost in a sea of noise, right? Absolutely. And I think that we came up at an awkward time when we were doing that in the early 2000s where like more like heavy metal and punk was more popular, and this whole grunge thing had died. And uh, it was kind of an awkward time to be doing it. 10 years after, you know, it died and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it was really out of vogue to be uh, playing the kind of music at, at that point, like in like 2005 era, to be playing uh, grunge, essentially. Grunge music, yeah. right? Like people didn't want to hear it at that point. I find like uh, music kind of goes in like 20-year cycles, right? That's why the 90s are kind of... Uh, Makes sense, yeah. yeah. Well, like, you listen to stuff now, I think there's a bit of a thirst to, for that, that mm-hmm. throwback, There right? definitely is. Like yeah. um, even... Just the hipster culture that kind of uh, somehow revolves around music. Mm-hmm. The people like to go back to the stuff that. And, and what's encouraging to me is that it's not really becoming classic rock. It's not like the stuff we mm-hmm. we kind of listened to in the nineties. It's not. It, it. It. I don't know. It hasn't gotten corny. But is, is it that it's it's cyclical or and is it like it's cyclical like just like by by nature or is it like I'm wondering if it's all right, I was, I'd like, you know, whatever 90s music, you know, like 90s, no effects, 96 and all that stuff, you know, sure. at that time. Uh, but that's when, you know, like I was first kind of learning and actually starting to enjoy music. I was finally getting to that age, you know, getting to like 12, 13, mm-hmm. you're starting to like it. So then when, you know, so all these bands, you kind of grow and you make that, or styles of music, you, you this is what I like at this time, because that's what's in. But then later when the people who become the, you know, music uh, directors at a, at a radio station or do whatever. They're the ones picking the songs, so they might pick more what they liked when they were when they like what you know they like yeah, this yeah, music, yeah, so yeah, they'll yeah. start picking their saying. stuff. So they kind of force maybe a they become a, the a, professionals or, in the music industry. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's why maybe it recycles, and that might be you know a, a bit to play with on why you know like it wasn't big at one point, but maybe getting more now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that or maybe like when people are, you know, t- between 20 and 30, they usually start having kids and stuff. And then they tell their kids like, no, no, this is that's what's what, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> listen to this shit. <laughs> yeah. So then those kids start. Yeah, that's it. true. Like my kid's not going to listen to shitty music. That's what you think. But then you think they will? They're just going oh, to rebel. That's what I tell Eric. Like, the Wiggles. Fuck. My son's <laughs> almost two. It's hard to say. Like He's just going to rebel against like. you and just be like, <laughs> I'm into dance music. You like, know what? My wife tells me that. She says if you all you force feed your kids is punk music they're gonna rebel and they're gonna listen to like edm or something yep. it's true you're gonna want to shoot yourself yeah <laughs> oh, yeah man. it's hard to say as long as it's catchy i guess i don't know 
Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta find it's that hard. middle ground. You gotta like implant it subliminally. You yeah, know. Just be like, yeah, because I I feel like if if my dad would have came to me and said like, the fuck is this shit? Here, we're gonna put on some goddamn Boston. <laughs> And then then you would have listened to that all all night long. I feel like that's what your dad did to you. Well, my dad, literally, it was nonstop Floyd, nonstop Black Sabbath, nonstop. Oh, Black Sabbath. I don't know what else, but uh, it was essentially just that. Like (laughs) 24-7, all the time. And it just, but like the bands he was in, because at the time, uh, you know, rock bands didn't make money, especially not like, you know, in, in the bar scene in the 90s. He only played one thing in the bar scenes going bar to bar was country. That's the oh, only yeah, thing I played. So they, he just played in country bands and he hated it. He always says he hated it. It's a moneymaker. There's there very few songs that, yeah, it's still a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Actually, supposedly still, if you can do it, you can go play a lot of places down south. I believe it. But Yeah. But yeah, no, he was saying that's all he was. But like when he was home, it was just cranked Sabbath nonstop, which, <laughs> you know, I don't mind Sabbath. And like, I know all the songs just by osmosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's... Uh, Have yeah, you heard it this? Just, Never. <laughs> it just... Play it all the time, and I actually learned to fall asleep to it. Like that's just what I did. I just all right. Well, he's playing. He's gonna be a bit <laughs> cold, but no, it's uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. It was interesting growing up in the Boissonneau household. <laughs> uh, well, that said, so after uh, you know, we you kind of took us to the point of um, uh, the the Republic years, and then you know, you had talked about being on hiatus for a little bit, not really making music for for a little while, and then uh, coming back. How did that come about? Well, I, I think the music's always been, I've been at least bare minimum recording by myself and stuff like that at home. That never stops. But uh, I think after the we did the London thing the second time, I came back and we still did uh, the JV was the new thing around here. And I did uh, I did quite a few shows between 2007 and eight, like kind of thing. And then after that, it was over for me. I went to college and became a chef and all that and that kind of took over my life. I became obsessed with uh, food and, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, and then I had Scott kind of bugging me in the corner, like, you know, you should get a band, man. I'm just like, nah, I don't know. It's too much work. (laughs) And, uh, eventually we just decided like, you know, you got lots of demos, man. Like you should probably just compile them and we'll go by your name. Just my name, Eric pocket doing it all, all the, all the recording by myself. And we put out the first album and, um, I don't know, we made like, you know, 30 copies and yeah. sold to our close friends for five bucks. And and then that was that, but that was enough to to get some feedback and be like, well, you know, we should do another one. Just me again. So we uh, we did Deja Vu in 2015. Okay. And uh, Scott thought it was a good idea to press 500 copies of it. So uh, <laughs> so they're all hanging around. Yeah, yeah now we've got 500 CDs if anybody wants any. Yeah, so if anyone's looking... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's probably like 400 left, maybe more. Um, So we did that, and then it was just like, man, like if we want to sell any of these, we got to get something together, right? Like we got to do something. So we... uh, Yeah, without a live band, like you cannot sell albums. Like No, absolutely not. Not in 2015. Anyway, like it's just going to download it, if anything, or stream it. Yeah, like the the one thing that's, that's, I don't know... It seems like really changed as far as how music gets put out there is uh, today it really f- uh, favors the prolific like people put music out frequently mm-hmm. because it's not about somebody going out and dishing out cash for your music right away it's 
how many streams you can get, how many views you yes, can get on YouTube, exactly. how many likes and, and plays. Oh, and, man. Yeah. And it's it's way more of a social and interactive experience. And if you're not consistently p- putting music out, you're not getting those likes, you're not getting those comments, you're not getting the views. That's right. Uh, if you're spending all your time, like, I mean, you, you could put out a 20-song album, but if you haven't put anything out in 10 years, yeah. then no one's going to no one's gonna click on it. Right? Singles. Yeah, no, that's well. You're looking even like popular music stuff that's still being put out by the major labels. It's all short, short and sweet. Either a single, mm-hmm. a single every fucking three months for Drake. It's right? true though. You'll see a lot of bands like put out eight singles and then just release that as an album at the end of it. Yeah, like it's yeah. the same songs. No, exactly. It's uh, it's it's a different world when it comes to to putting out music and um as far as actually selling physical copies of your music the only way you can do that is hawking that at live shows like you say right so if you don't have a band and you're not touring or or consistently putting out like uh, putting on live shows you don't have a prayer in the world so yeah that definitely good call (laughs) we we talked about it a little bit earlier about uh you know, there was that price point thing where it's like, mm. yeah, but they're so much cheaper at 500. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. He's like, for 80 bucks more, man, we can get 250 more. I'm just like, whatever, man. Sure. 80 bucks. That's and, all. It and costs. then not so, only yeah. this, so this guy thought it was cool you. to save 80 bucks and, uh, not get them folded and all that for us. We can do that ourselves, right? It's cheaper. So, so save 80 bucks. We did that. So like picture this, man, I got like a stack of like just paper size with like a million little arrows of how to cut it with a machine that we've never done really. So there's none really put together. It's a stack of CDs and a stack of paper right now. So to be honest for the cameras here. Yeah. So if anybody wants them, it's going to take a little bit of time. I got to assemble it. <laughs> or you can just give it to them and let them assemble yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. You can, yeah. Some assembly required. That's all. <laughs> But there's love put into it, though. Oh, yeah. Really? So they were all hand-folded. If you bought one, they were hand-folded <laughs> by my wife or Scott. I don't know. One of the two. Your wife or your band wife. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. No, no. Whoa, no, whoa, whoa, not no absolutely not. Well, getting to that, Scott, I was asking you earlier. You don't play in the band. I play zero instruments. I'm not musically inclined when it comes to that at <laughs> I'm all. I'm not musically inclined. I just love music. Yeah. That's all. So... You know, tell tell us a little bit more about what your role is exactly in this. Is it a management role? Is it a, a publicity role? What what do you at this point? I'd say it's management. Uh, the the way it came about was uh, when we were what seventeen. Yeah. We like I knew Eric. I moved to Cochrane when I was six, and I knew him my whole life. Basically, we were in Eric was in French immersion, so half French, half English. So we had half of our day together. But uh, mm. he was always like, we were, I don't know, different uh, peer groups, I guess, until high school. And then because, I don't know, I played sports my whole life. And then... Uh, I skateboarded. <laughs> yeah. Eric was a cool kid. Culture like, clash. Yeah. yeah. And um, one day he just asked me, he's like, uh, you want to go see my drum set and skip school? And it was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds good. It sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. So we did that and... Uh, I don't know, it probably wasn't a couple of days before we started uh, writing songs together. Like, uh, you could probably... Uh, well, Scott writes most of the lyrics. Used to more mm. than more than now, but like a lot from The Republic, all of it almost, you know, and even the Eric Paquette stuff, half of it. Yeah, like really? probably a yeah. hundred songs. So your collaboration there is, is uh, not even, like you say, uh, 
just it's not just Mandarin, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely no, there's songwriting. More that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the songwriting was always 100% Eric. Okay. And then uh, I think it was just a matter of saving time because he was just about like being extremely prolific. Yeah, yeah. So by the time he could write a riff, record the drums, bass, and guitar, I would have lyrics finished. And then like what I would do is while he's doing that, he would just like hum a melody to me and I would... Yeah, like right to this, man, and like... I'd it would just be ready for me to, to nice. record when it's yeah. time. I'd fill in the gaps. Like, I'd write little lines on a paper to figure out, like, the syllables and insert words. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like, uh, and, and I've got a bit, like, I feel like I could speak to songwriting a little bit from, from playing in, uh, in bands. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, obviously, everybody's got their own process. Yeah. But I think that the whole songwriting process is very foreign to, like, maybe non-creative people and that's something that i've i've always felt like whenever i talk to somebody about like oh yeah you know here's a song i wrote or you know check this out i feel like people get very like just like the song could suck could suck completely most often does but we for your stuff we know it's terrible so. uh <laughs> let's be honest with each other here come on this is, we're sitting here having a drink together it's time for honesty uh, but it, the song could suck but people just get amazed that you could put pen to paper like that you know and actually produce something that's original and wasn't thought of by somebody else right so uh i don't know i've always i've always kind of found that to be surprising when when you talk to other people about uh, their process. song, their process, process and so. how things come about. I feel like to some, for some people who don't necessarily have that creative side to their brain, they they find that so foreign to them. You know, like for me, like I write it. I usually ninety five percent of the time I write the song in one sitting, and that's it. That's all. Like I uh, one sitting, one sitting, no I, revisions. I, I, not really no. like this. I'll get to it, but the Sage album. I mean, all my life, it's pretty much the first versions. I don't really. Uh, Go back too much. Well, you were talking earlier because uh, we, we recorded a couple uh, performance pieces uh, before this, and you were talking about how most of the songs on the Sage album, and we will absolutely get to that, uh, were written completely just on the spot, mm-hmm. right? Like as you were, you decided, okay, we're going to write an album, and <laughs> you were recording it as you were writing it. Yes, right. And I've been doing that my whole life, though. Just. Uh, I would just I just do it like when I write a song I just go write a song like I've got hundreds though like th- probably three hundred plus originals mm. over the sp- over the span of twenty years I guess yeah I that's I, uh, it's it's quite a bit I, is that a lot I don't know that is a lot it, it's, way more than I've written it started yeah? getting yeah because I know that you're Jesus you got Christ. lots too right yeah. It started getting really heavy as far as content wise when we started hanging out I would say like you probably had how many like oh. Lots, like hundreds. We would do like every, we would do sometimes we'd like do like three in a day, man. Like just pound them out. Jesus. We were trying to do a song a day for a long time and stuff like that. It was just about like, yeah, quantity. No, (laughs) that's, that's cool. And, and I feel like, um, again, kind of getting back to how it's not everybody who, I guess it exists on a spectrum, right? Like people do it to different degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
I think it's a part of the brain that everybody can exercise, right? It's something that, and I, I don't know, I think it would do a lot of people some good to, because you don't necessarily have to write a song or anything, but like have some thoughts and write them down or like, uh, you don't even need to write them down. Just just think of stuff. Think, of, Try to formulate your own ideas, right? That's so deep, Corey. That is just so think deep. of stuff. Just think of stuff. <laughs> Come on. Jesus I'm digging deep here. Come Speaking on. of which, if you have like no, a napkin or something, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you would be you would be surprised how many how many people out there there's not one original thought that that crosses their mind a day. It's all just like, oh, okay, I know this, I know this, I know this. somebody told me to say this, and that's what it is, right? I think we you have a lot more of that as you're if you're a kid, but like as you grow into adulthood, you you just kind of routine takes over right mm-hmm. and and that whole part of your brain i don't know if that just goes away you don't you don't think of doing anything like starting a band up again or like writing a record writing a song starting a podcast like you don't you don't think of of these kinds of things that was a shameless shameless, yes. shameless self-elevation <laughs> that's <yeah>. all <laughs> so that said you know you guys uh have your most recent effort has been the sage album on cassette tape, folks. Yes. Out yes. on fucking cassette tape. Where do you listen to this? I, I actually have a cassette player in my car. Yeah. So. Is it a 98? <laughs> what, what is it? Or, uh, it's not very cool. A Chrysler Little Saber? It's like, a, it's like an 06 Civic. An C- 06 Civic still yeah, had C- CD and cassette. That was like oh, a major selling feature. It, it was like, cassette? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, the album rips. It's really good. I, I listened to it all uh, over the past couple days, and um, it's like I, I had heard Deja Vu as well. And the one thing that I, I noticed right away when listening to, uh, and this is entitled "Procrastinate." Yeah. When I listened to the this album here was the production quality. the The difference in production quality was was noticeable compared to, to Deja Vu. Now, is that something that you spent more time on, or is it something that uh, a, you kind of money on? Yeah, exactly. Time or money? No yeah. more Usually money. The- uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was recorded in my basement once again, but uh, this time I have a band, and uh, I have Mark Mercier on guitar, and who also sings with me, which is super awesome, that I've never really had before. Hmm? And uh, I've got Eric Trombley on bass, who was also in the Eric Pocket Project when we uh, first got this thing going. That's what we were called. So I've had Eric since the beginning of this. Uh... But uh, one of our one of our best friends lives in uh, Edmonton, and he went to OERT for uh, audio engineering. Okay. So he actually mastered the album for us. Oh, okay. So you guys was... did the mixes, yeah, and then just fired them off, and he mastered the album. Yeah, he mastered like the overall though. Like I had mixed it and stuff in Cochrane. Okay. And uh, but I mean I was sending it back and forth with him and he was giving me some pointers and stuff like that helped me mix it as well and you definitely spent a lot more time on the mix. And I spent a lot more time uh like tweaking stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh looking at it. But we kept it really basic this album. Deja Vu was much more layered. Oh, okay. Uh, like uh you know, there might have been eight guitar tracks at once sometimes, you know, panned here and there. So I really went for like uh lots of uh tracks like some of the tracks were like 30 plus so okay when we did uh procrastinate i wanted to get back to just the basics well firstly there was a band so you had to be able to play live that was a yes a i wanted to, i wanted to do it as close to we as we sound like live 
And um, and did you feel like you achieved that? I think so. I mean, uh, the album still sounds, you know, still sounds pretty punchy for, <laughs> for three dudes. But there's only one guitar track. You know what I mean? There's no layering. There's no. Uh, okay. The, the vocals are one track. Okay. You know? And uh, also, like I was saying earlier, that uh, all the songs were written on the spot. Like every time I wrote a song, that's what became the on the album. Um, but there's a lot of changes in your music. Like when you listen to, um, like, there's a lot of tempo changes and a lot of like weird starts and stops. It seems so odd that you could write a song like that on the fly. It's um, I'm I'm having a hard time squaring that. Maybe that's just because of my own creative limitations. But uh, I feel like my the 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 limits of my ability when it comes to that is strumming four chords over and over again. There's there's my song. There's my my day one day <laughs> one song. I think but, I don't know. I, I think maybe the influences are a bit different as far as time swing, uh, the weird time changes and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I like doing that, throwing people off like. You think you're in the groove? You think you're grooving there, and all of a sudden I'll switch that real quick. Um, you have real contempt for your audience. Yeah, and I, uh, but what's uh, what's great though is the having the double vocals now is uh, really cool to have. And Eric sings as well, so we have three vocals, you know. And sometimes all three of us mm-hmm. sing at the same time, and it's really awesome. And and Eric, Eric, uh, so basically, I'm still coming up with the main ideas. For this album, you know, coming into the table, like at the, you know, with the riffs, and then, but the boys have been given their input on the parts, and uh, you know, Eric's been grooving on some bass parts, kind of give him the foundation, and, uh, and he, he, goes, from he there. goes from there. He does a really good job. Mm-hmm. We've been experimenting with pedals and stuff like that as well. Uh, I wasn't really doing too much of that back in the day, more just distortion and clean, like yeah, yeah. But uh, we bought some pedals and get a bit, a bit more effects mm-hmm. on uh, on the guitar tones and. No, you definitely get the sense of that when listening to the album. It uh, it sounds a little more experimental, but still uh, refreshingly current. Cool. I'm not going to say it sounds melodic, because uh, <laughs> that that would be throwing that word around. But <laughs> it, it sometimes I've been sometimes. accused I, I've been accused of throwing that term okay. that that term around. Is uh, yeah, it's very very melodic. You know? Like I don't know what it means. <laughs> And uh, Scott, want to talk about the artwork and stuff like that? Yeah, because uh, that was done by uh, that was Timmons by, Connection there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to remember how I even came about knowing Joel. I don't even. That was like, pre. Uh, yeah, it was a long time before the uh, the album. But uh, I basically was a huge fan of his artwork. Okay. So I just reached out to him and. Uh, and who is this? Sorry, yeah, who, yeah, who are we talking about? I apologize, Joel. <laughs> What's his real last name? Debois. Okay. Yeah. I, I know him as Joel French. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, I guess he's originally from Timmins. Yeah. Uh, spent some time in Sudbury and now he's in Toronto playing in uh, probably about between 12 and 25 bands. Okay. But his, yeah, his main band is uh, Sam Coffee and the Iron Lungs. Uh, they just got signed to Burger Records. They're doing phenomenal things. Oh, amazing. Yeah. They're also going to be playing here, you know, the... Yeah, it's uh, June 12th with uh, the Flatliners and the Dirty Nil. So uh, that that's something to check out. I'm seeing some empty glasses here, Jay. Can I fill you up again? Yes, please. Yes. And um, yeah, so go on about uh, Joel and the connection. Yeah, basically you reached out to him and just uh, put the offer out there. If, if he was interested in doing the artwork, we're huge fans. and uh, We had done a show with them in Timmins as well there last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, 
basically gave him some some rough concepts. Like uh, we had two two things for him to go off of for the uh, album cover, which mm-hmm. was uh, the Beatles Revolver album, and uh, there's a Red Cross like obscure tour T-shirt that they had from the '80s, where it was. I think that was a kind of a parody of the Revolver cover. Okay. So I just took photos of the three guys' faces and sent them to Joel. And, and that's what he came up with. He knocked it out of the park. Like, yeah, we were extremely happy when we got them right away. Look at that. Like, we didn't even... He even got the glasses. Yeah. I know. We got the mustache and the glasses. <laughs> and, He's a uh, good artist. He does those uh, shit for brains. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, amazing. Yeah. Have you seen these, no. these things? Oh, I got to show you this, Jay. Yeah. It's like he'll take, uh, like, I don't know, I whoever's in the news doing something stupid and he'll do like an artwork of their like just shit for brains. So it's like <laughs> their face and then the same picture of their face, but with their like scalp removed and just shit there in go. there. <laughs> it's, it's pretty on the nose, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's well done. Like there's, uh, I think he's got, he's got one for fucking Bill Cosby, one for uh, Steve Har- Stephen Harper. He's got like everybody, everybody who's who's in the news doing fucking retarded shit. So awesome. Oh uh, yeah, it's cool. But um, so this is where you guys are at now. Is listening? Is uh, you guys are playing this stuff? Are you writing some new stuff now? Are you uh, touring? What's what's the word now? What's the sage word? Um, we just had our EP release party there like two weeks ago and. We uh, oh, you should have been on the podcast before that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So now we're talking about what happened. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we thought we were going to be like the Matt Damon of this show and just uh, <laughs> we were hoping for that. There's no time. That'd <laughs> been great. That would have been great. That would have been really just good. Every yeah. week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we were it, supposed to have Sage on again. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> Next time. That'd been great. Next that would have been great. Thought, you know yeah. what? Yeah. Okay, we gotta we gotta do that with somebody at some point. Just ah, maybe next time. Maybe yeah. next time we'll have a little <laughs> bit more time. If uh, Steve Black doesn't go as as long. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, you guys had your EP release party at the uh, working class. Yes, Simmons, and uh, that was well, well attended. Yes, it was. Good, uh, we I think we had just over seventy five people, seventy something people. Yeah, maybe. it was almost sold out. We. Uh, we're really happy with the turnout. Okay, before people, yeah, I was going to say before people think that that's underwhelming, that's packing the place. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 80-something, <laughs> but yeah. it yeah. was a really good night. Actually, we had lots of people come from Cochrane as well. Mm. So we had like, I would say at least 30 people from Cochrane come up. And yeah, it was really surprising. It was really cool to see some old friends that came, you know, just to check it out. Do you guys find it difficult to, to be a band in Cochrane? Like... Even just, uh, like, you talked about how it was growing up playing at parties and people's mm-hmm. houses, but do you find it hard now? Like, there's got to be a lack of venues in a... Like, what's the population in Cochrane anyways? I don't know. 5,000-ish? 5,000? So, yeah, not not very much. And there's probably not yeah. very many places that a band no. who's playing 90s grunge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can yeah. find an audience, my right? Ba- my basement. That's um, about it. We yeah, but you guys make the trek to Timmins often enough. Yeah, and we we actually we put on some shows. Uh, I mean, Scott Scott, we have like our little record label thing, Jiggy coming on Restroom Records, where we put on shows and stuff. And uh, Scott could talk about that. But. Yeah. yeah, we put out uh, or we put on two shows in Cochrane last year uh, at the Legion Hall. Okay. So for a hundred dollars, you could rent the Legion. You get a bartender, and we got like a door, like a basically a bouncer with that. Too. What? Yeah, so it was. We it need was to great. start 
putting on shows. It was awesome, man. Live podcast at the Legion. There you go. The only thing we didn't get was like a sound man, so we had to. Uh, we did that ourselves. Yeah, That's fine. Uh, just Jimmy Ray. But the first time we had two Timmons bands come down, and uh, we had very well attended. We sold out uh, all of our tickets. Yeah, the first show was sold out, so that was huge. We and uh, so we had all the wasted years and half measures for Our the first boys. show. Yeah, yeah, it was a really eclectic show for sure. That is grunge, some hardcore music, and uh, drunken punk rockers. Michael yeah. Michael Whalen <laughs> did the legendary backflip and Cochrane. Yeah, oh, that's where that. That's that photo, photo that photo comes, comes, from. comes from. That's right. Craig Kustachin. That's yeah. right. Who, captured that who, uh, he did. who also did our music video that we did for Zillion. Okay. Uh, Craig did that for us. And uh, he's also done quite a bit of pictures for us and stuff, too. He's a really good photographer. and uh, Well, guy, for guys that have been out of the scene for a long time, like, obviously, you guys have made some good connections and have uh, networked pretty well. Because, you know... Like you were saying, you you started doing this when you were 10, 12 years old. Yeah. Like the bands you're talking about and the guys that you're talking about that have helped you in various ways, they were not doing this back then. Like they were not part of that scene. Uh, no. Maybe you got maybe Pat Lozier, who was well, uh, who Pat, was also playing you know, drums at like 10, 11 years old. I know Pat from Malevolence when we were, you know, he was like, what, nine or something? I don't know. It's something like that. But, uh, yeah, like like that's, he's I, gonna he's gonna be listening to this. And be like, I was fucking twelve. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Jeez>. easy nine. <laughs> Anyways, he was just a little dude. He was really good though. I remember them being awesome, being like, "Holy fuck, look at these kids!" Because we were like eighteen. As opposed you know, to today, like, he's fucking terrible. Yeah, it was yeah. downhill. <laughs> he just Great went time. down. Yeah, down. he was nuts when he was nine. But he was at his peak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> peak early, <laughs> real early. <laughs> Yeah, so like a lot of these people, um, you know, a lot of the people that you're you're talking about, the bands that you you're playing yeah. with now weren't weren't part of that scene back then. So I'm sure you kind of had to start at zero. Yeah, it's uh, yeah for sure, absolutely. Um, without the working class, I think that was one of the main reasons why I said, okay, well, fuck it, let's get a band because this there's like a venue, like yeah. it's super cool, and these guys get cool bands. And I know, and I know Johnny from back then, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that venue like single handedly facilitates the entire scene. Like, there's it's awesome. You don't have. see too many people putting on shows outside of it right now. Like, it's it's phenomenal. No, exactly, and and I think they're they're well positioned for it. Well, one, you know, John's been doing his uh, promotions for a long time, mm-hmm. and yeah. they've been able to bring in um, a lot of like bigger name bands for for independent music Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of legitimizes the whole thing so you don't really get a whole lot of people going like well you know what i'm gonna start my own putting on my own shows here and putting on my own shows there uh which to some extent is good because it it doesn't there's not a lot of infighting not a lot of Mm -hmm. uh like everybody's pretty collaborative and on board with what's going on uh with the working class and I mean, they've always been fair and great to uh, at what they're doing. They treat the local bands as well, if not better, than the bands that uh, that they bring in for, absolutely through their promotions, right? So. Yeah, I guess that like kind of goes into what what I do in the in the band. Like, I'm not afraid to just reach out to anybody that I don't know and just ask the question, right? Yeah. Like, how did we get on the show tonight? I, <laughs> yes, I, I asked well, Corey tonight. Me. You asked. <laughs> A month and a half, yeah. two months ago. Yeah. You, you, you faked an injury. We got here. Ah, <laughs> uh, twisted my ankle. Sorry, yeah. you won't be able to come on tonight. Yeah. 
no, it, it's true, and you you have to be willing to do that. I think that goes with uh, for for a lot of things, right? You have to be willing to kind of put yourself out there and be uh, and and be willing to. I don't know, take on new projects and meet new people, right? Well, I have a question. Uh, yeah. So you guys are from Cochrane, and we talked a bit about, you know, you guys uh, rented uh, the Leisure Hall and all that. How difficult is it for uh, just just bands, small local bands, to to host stuff or to, to do stuff in Cochrane? Like, is there a good support uh you know, community in, in, in Cochrane? Like, we talk about how Timmins is difficult because it's a small town, blah, 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 but, you know, like, when you're taking, when you're looking at a community of fifth the size, what's like you're saying? You know, most of the time you're doing it in your basement, and whatnot, but like when you want to do shows, mm-hmm. is there a lot more promotion? Are you really? It's a lot of word to mouth. Are you doing it in the paper? Like how how are you getting? How are you building it? And how are you? Uh, how well do you find you're supported? The f- the first show that we did, we I think we gave ourselves two months in advance. We did a promo video for it and uh, just put that out there, showing the bands that we were bringing, just trying to get people. I don't know, I think being able to actually visually see it, especially in a town that no shows go to. Mm-hmm. So we're like, you guys complain every single day that nothing's going on. So That's the line, eh? That's so you hear that every year all the time. Yeah, you hear, yeah. hear the same thing. Yeah, right? you have no excuse. Yeah. You, you yeah. will be there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a good idea to give, give people kind of a glimpse of what, uh, of what they're going to hear. Uh, and maybe that's the nice thing about, you know having the internet and social Mm -hmm. media now but do you find that you guys are are well supported like is there is there an appetite for uh alternative music and alternative entertainment or are people like uh stuck on their sleds and ice fishing and uh yeah for for the most part there's been uh little to no support in 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 cochran um i think it's kind of ironic that you know on (laughs) probably a daily basis Eric will get like, oh, uh, you play music? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, play music? I mean, I mean, like, I, I have lots of friends and stuff like that that come out to the shows and family and stuff. But as far as, like, uh, any new, anybody new interested in that, I I'm not sure. Like, we, That's something I'm worried about, too. Like, uh, I feel like there used to be a lot more all-ages shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where the next generation's coming from because, yeah. what are they listening to? I have no idea, and, and I don't think... <laughs> EDM. Is that what it is? But you know what? Even <laughs> if there was some kind of EDM scene, right? Like, that if so that's what they wanted to hear... But it's all, it's all done on social media. It's all, it's all on YouTube. You, 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 there's kids who are doing these EDM music. They'll have 10,000 listens, uh-huh. and it's nothing, but you know they, that's what they do. They just have a little community, and they just share stuff. Not but stopping. there's no live aspect to it? it no. We're going into no, a generation old. of where there's no live music, no thirst for live music. I have music. a feeling, yeah. Wow. Because yeah. I, I know that like there's a, kind of a DJ thing going on, right? Fuck, we all sound like, we sound so old. <laughs> How old am I? Yeah, like, uh, I think they uh, listen to some DJs. It's on that, that social media stuff. Disc <laughs> jockeys, eh? Um, but yeah, there's there's a scene like uh, like there are electronic dance music festivals and people that that go see DJs. But where is that? Like, where's the independent circuit of mm-hmm. that going on? Right? Like, where's the small punk show version of? There has the, to be because for every kid that's doing that, there's got to be one that hates that. Like, and is just like doing something in his basement and I don't know, riffing away on a guitar. Well, I think it's great. Yeah. Like, you'll hear some songs on the radio right now. Uh, I can't even think what bloody their names are, but like there'll be they'll they'll be random songs. Like, oh, I really like this, and I really get into it. But it's like, and people wonder like, oh, why is this like getting popular? But it's like, oh, you hear it's be the one song that actually has instruments and actually have musicianship. You're like, oh, that's why because you actually there's 
something else except step of and then there's something else in, instead of the just like the or just the bass and like oh like this is a great song and like it could be whatever like i can't there's a one song i can think about right now that i wouldn't talk like it was big two three years ago but it's like oh it's because there's Actual a music. guitar in it. Yeah, That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not they just, just need, a keyboard. Yeah, they just need to sprinkle yeah. in, a li- like you say, does it, it, there's a strong backbeat, and then they just got to sprinkle in some kind of actual musicianship yeah. into yeah. it, and then suddenly it's a hit, right? So, I don't know. I There's there's like the whole underground part of it that's still going on and seems to still be strong, but it's strong for the people who are living in that world. Because right? ten, year, 10 years ago when the Republic was, was playing in Timmins, there was an all ages scene and every single one of those kids started a band Yeah, and they're still playing in bands today. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm worried about is these people are growing up, having families, playing shows less and who's coming in. Yeah. And, but from what I hear anyways, that all ages shows are a nightmare for promoters. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it works. As far logistically, as liabilities but. go. Well, I think you've got to be insured. Uh, differently and also um, I could be wrong but you may also need to have a separate um, area for serving alcohol like you can't I don't know that you could throw an all ages show in a bar oh yeah 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 what did they do back in the day well, wristbands the, or you know stuff like the Maciana call and stuff like that it was I remember watching like Guy Smiley and uh, uh, who uh, Guttermouth at yeah. the Maciana call there was no like it, it it was an old ages crowd, but there was no no drinking in there. It was just just shows, just show. That's it. And <laughs> it was started at like five. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. There were matinee shows. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. even Sunday matinees or something would be amazing. Like that's where the like the hardcore scene started on Sunday matinees at like CBGBs and stuff like that. So it spawned an entire scene. Hard yeah. To, hard to say if the you know the the thirteen year old kids now would come or not. It's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna start a a scene of matinee shows here down in my basement. Invite yeah. a bunch of twelve, thirteen year old kids to come <laughs> hang out. I don't see a problem with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> it's not gonna be uh, looked at weirdly. Yeah, it's Where are you going? That strange man's house. Where all the noise is coming from. Uh, no, it's uh, it's encouraging and like I feel like in Decur- moments it can be incur- <laughs> no no in in certain in certain moments it can feel encouraging and certain moments it can feel discouraging depending on like what you're going to see because you end up at a, a packed house at the working class mm-hmm. and you know band comes in and people are just having a great time and you see a couple new faces in the crowd and you're like oh man our street our scene's so strong but. It, then you look at it in the larger picture of like what's going on in music and uh it's uh, i'm sure it's going to be a tough go cuz like you say people don't just you know get old and but i got to say like i go to some of these shows at the working class and often the music there is not usual my uh my cup in of my tea? yeah cup of tea or in my wheelhouse uh old but man. i i still go but I, you know, I, so, and one thing, I'm, I'm a people watcher. Like, I like watching people and just assessing them and seeing what they're doing. And I am one of the oldest people in that bar, usually. How, by far. There's a, a pretty, I gotta say, there's a pretty young crowd. Like, and I'm saying young, like, you know, early 20s, which I'm surprised how young people, how young of people are at those shows, which, uh, you know, it, I guess in a way that's encouraging that uh, it's not just, maybe individuals who are into because often it'll be a bit more punk rock there uh who are into that growing up in high school and all that and are now 30 and still mm-hmm. doing it there's a 
pretty young crowd there. Like, I'm, I'm surprised how young the crowd actually is. Like, but but, you, but they're not the 13, 14-year-olds, of course. But do you, and That coveted 13, 14-year-old. Uh, <laughs> That's demographic. the demographic we're looking for. <laughs> but do you think that if a place like the working class wasn't there, like if, if it was just the odd show at the Victory Tavern still, mm-hmm. okay, do you think that the kids that come out of high school and are 18, 19, 20 years old would hear about something like this going on or they would like, I feel like single shows kind of get, they, you can miss it. Yeah, like you sure. can just kind of, Oh, Oh, there was a thing going on. Okay. I don't know. That's not really my thing, but you hear about like your one friend who went with his a little bit older friend to the mm-hmm. working class comes back, says, fuck man, I saw like the greatest band there. Yeah. It's at this place. They're always throwing shows there. And it's uh, like, just, just go check it out on a random night. Like you'll, there'll, there'll be music at least. Right. And people walk in there. There's a the fucking posters everywhere. You're like, oh, fuck man. That's, it's a cool place. Uh, if that didn't exist, is do you think there was there would still be a way to foster that kind of next generation? That's hard to say. I mean, uh, skill it's, testing. It's, it, it seems like there's there's always shows going on regardless. I mean, it'd be the same thing as when Marion Cochran had to put on ourselves and has to figure out something. But uh, it depends how hungry people are for putting on shows. Like I, uh, you know, I like doing that, and I think that uh, it encourages everyone. Like the more people are into people's stuff and. It more encourages people to come out. I don't know. Like, yeah, but like you said, it's more impactful if you walk into a, a place for the first time and there's 60 people going crazy with a band there. Like, you, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a, a tremendous experience and mm-hmm. walk away from that saying, like, how do I become a part of this? Like, we came in back into the scene, I guess you would say, and uh, we knew like a few select people, but everyone else has been like, uh, you know, it, it's never awkward walking in there. Like, everyone just kind of. Everyone's nice. You, eh? be, you become yeah. a regular real fast. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take long to for people to kind of recognize you and be like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" You know. Yeah, I think they're so grateful, like, to have the scene grow that it's it's nice. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. And I think one thing that that I guess does give a little bit of um, of encouragement is the fact that music in general is something that kind of becomes a bit of a lifelong passion, right? It's not something that you do for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess some people, but I mean, a lot of people who are really into music, it's not something you do for 10 years and then you just forget about it. You hang up your fucking guitar as evidenced by Jason's dad. People people like Jason's dad, you know, like they've been playing music their entire fucking lives and it just, and it never even slows down. Yeah, started yeah. in a Christian band back when he was like 16. Was that what it was? Yeah. A Christian a rock Christian band. rock band playing only in churches and then... Testify. Uh, just about. I wonder what the name was. Christ plus one. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, yeah, now he's uh, the like you know, the staple Timmons band for kind of blues rock. Yeah, blues, he's blues, right? Yeah, I think it's blues rock. I guess so. He, yeah. Jay's dad play. He plays bass in the Shaftman. Okay. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. those bums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, well wishes to Mr. John M's, who's uh, yeah. going through yeah. uh, some some health issues at the moment, and uh, you know we wish him all the best. I know this is kind of in passing, but uh, <laughs> made made me think of it. Jesus, like, unthoughtful bastard. But, anyways, no, we we want to send some uh, good wishes and hope he gets well very soon. So, uh, yeah, that said, <laughs> on to better things. <laughs> Um, Good segue. Yeah, uh, this is this is a perfect segue. 
so we should uh, introduce the, the beer. Uh, yeah. But I am I do want to tease a bit what I want to chat with you guys about. Uh, Corey and I before we get in before I even introduce the beer, I'm going to say it. Uh, Corey and I grew up, and we talked about this on uh, on the podcast before playing hockey and often going to uh, mm-hmm. Cochrane. And uh, I want to know if what what was the discussion in the Cochrane area when uh, there was a uh, hockey game is about to happen and. Uh, because it seemed like most of the town was in there when we showed up. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so tonight's beer, we are drinking uh, another uh, uh, beer from uh, our friends at Full Beard uh, Brewing. Uh, tonight's beer is the Bearded Prospector. Uh, not much of a, a commercial description on this one, guys. Uh, so uh, John and uh, uh, anyone else, get on it. Andrew, <laughs> get on it. Um, you know, yeah, they put a couple corny jokes, I guess, but uh, essentially, it's a it's a cream ale with a delicious blend of barley and corn. That's it. It's uh, very good. Yes. You can taste the corn. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it is very good. Uh, it has a four point five percent alcohol content and an IBU rating of twenty two. Yeah, it's not very bitter. Not bitter at all. It's very very easy bitter. to drink. Yeah. I think it was the right one for us tonight. Good yeah. one for me, anyway. I'm right one for a Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we like to rate the beers that we try mm-hmm. here, and uh, I think we haven't done this in the past few because I think last time we were drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah, we didn't say a thing. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, just we're not going to no. rate this yeah. thing. We said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're having Pabst. All right. <laughs> anyway, continue. Let's move on. Uh, so, yeah, we're drinking the Bearded Prospector. It's, uh, what would you say, 4.5 4. and uh, 20, 22 IBUs. 22 IBUs. Um, if I had to rate this out of 10, I don't know, I'd probably give it a... I, I do like bitter and very malty beers, so I'd probably go with a six. I'd be in that range. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an easy drink. It's an easy beer. drink. It's nothing bad. Like, and like when I'm saying this is a, a five or a six, a Coors is like a one. So, <laughs> wow. Or two. I'll give it a two. Cause I'll, like, give, I'll give that cause, ginger ale a higher fucking <laughs> score than a Coors. <laughs> yes. So that's... Let's let's. I want to put that out there. It's just it's not that it's a a, a bad beer. Just that yeah, it's it's a decent beer. Yeah. And Eric, what would you give it? I would give it an eight because I'm I'm not really a drinker. Oh, yeah. and I, I, I like it's a it's a good beer. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, yeah, it's uh, tasty I, for a guy that doesn't drink too much. I drink the odd beer, but uh, not, not really much. Like yeah, I think it it, uh, it does um, for people who aren't into drinking for, beer. For me, I give it an eight. For me, I mean, nice. It's, no, it's, that's it's, cool. And and you're right. I think describing it like you say, you're you're not much of a a drinker so to somebody who just you know wants to ha- wants to dabble or try it out it's it's probably a a good uh introductory beer to the full beer full brewing guys yeah offers. absolutely yeah so yeah uh cory and i would show up <laughs> we we played midget <laughs> hockey uh in the timmins midget league not which, only midget hockey yeah and, and everything else but it, it really got big it started to get big kind of in Bantam, a bit peewee, but Bantam, and then after it got uh, ridiculous. But uh, so we played in the Timmins Midget League, uh, which, of course, encompassed Capscase and Cochrane Falls, which was right. kind of ridiculous. That's a little... Yeah, uh, still Timmins. Yeah. Why are they called Timmins? <laughs> yeah, there's only one team from Timmins, actually. Uh, <laughs> but we would, uh, you know, we would go play our uh, our Thursday nights. I can't remember what the night Sometimes, was. Yeah. It was like a Thursday <laughs> night in, in, uh, in Cochrane. And it was essentially the biggest shit show I would ever see. <laughs> the whole God. place would be packed with people, packed to the tits. And it would just, it was literally like just 
like let's get it on UFC. Like it's literally yeah. the puck dropped yeah. fights, and then every goddamn person those stands would call you onto a fight on yeah. your way to yeah. the dressing room. It's true. So like, sounds familiar. This was the old Tim Hortons yep. arena, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. The, the new Every, one. There. Everyone who was like a shit disturber would like sit right against the railing for some reason and just like heckle oh, people the yeah, whole yeah. time, throw like, pop on you, yeah. spin on you. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll tell I've seen this story. In the crowd, like fighting, cra- fighting the crowd. Oh yeah, stuff. this. Yeah. The, I've I've been involved in one of these tussles before in my town. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm. <laughs> so, what, what ended up happening is I remember, and, and this is uh, myself and a gentleman by the name of uh, Greg Miller, uh, who's Good a guy. listener of the the podcast. Yes. From great what I, I hear, yeah, a great guy. Um, we both got kicked out of the game for fighting, and uh, we're so we go back to the dressing room. We take off the top half of our equipment, come back out to see kind of how everything had gotten resolved, right? Because a whole bunch of penalties being sorted out. So we're watching and we're getting heckled by like these old ladies in the crowd <laughs> and like these uh, just like kids and craziness. I don't know. Like, what's in the fucking water in Cochrane? I don't know, man. Jesus. But, anyways, we're getting heckled like crazy <laughs> up in the stands. And uh, Greg turns around and decided it'd be a good idea to just flip off everybody in the crowd. <laughs> In my town. Oh, yeah. In yes. your town. Jesus. And about uh, about 30 people just get up out of their seats and start coming towards us. I go, okay, Greg, let's let's go back in the dressing room. I don't need to get my ass kicked tonight. <laughs> but this guy take on, like, he'll take on anybody, right? 30 people. So we, we go back. <laughs> we go back to the dressing room, and all we hear is, Bang, bang, bang on the door. They fucking followed us down under. And you know how the dressing rooms were yeah, yeah, underneath yeah, the stands? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> they followed us down, banging on the door. And Greg comes out, grabs a stick, and just starts swinging. Like people just moving out of the way. He smashed the glass on like the fire extinguisher yeah, case. Yeah. And then somebody... The probably the one guy with the, the arena the, attendant, yeah, the arena attendant who, who had like the sense to understand that like someone's gonna go to jail tonight if this doesn't get under control comes out and he says the cops have been called the cops have been called breaks up this this tussle that was going on with like a lot of people like this was just obscene because it almost looked like the crowd had just migrated yeah. to underneath the stairs to watch this brawl going on. So uh, the the cops had to escort us out, and that was the story of the first time <laughs> the police had to escort us out of the arena in Cochrane. Yeah. And then afterwards, it was yeah, every time. Yeah, it was every time. I remember that. Like, I attended a lot of those games, and <sighs> it was pretty regular that you would see, like, you know, just a huge crowd of people outside, the, the team's <laughs> bus, and, like, cops bringing them out oh and the parents would get oh, into God. it and, but our uh, like i think we were underrepresented in that crowd because our par- a lot of our parents didn't didn't come because no. it wasn't far right it was just like stay home on a weekday or something yeah, yeah. jump into one one van and go type thing oh uh, the worst were was the friday night games though the friday night games is because it was fucking party time yeah. now, right <laughs> so uh yeah there's like 15 sleds parked oh. outside <laughs> Nowhere to park the the truck. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, a lot of fun playing hockey and cocker, and it's still like so. Like one of the did they talk about it or like you guys knew? Oh, Friday night is let's get to the rink because there's there's a midget game going on tonight, and we're gonna see people fight, and we might like it's gonna be fun. Like, was that just you guys talked about it ahead of time, or it just you guys just did it? I, I don't know. get it. It was it definitely was one of those things where like. Uh, it just became a thing. I don't know how things become things, but it, it became a thing and it was like expected, you know? If it was the second period, people are getting antsy. Like, 
I haven't seen blood yet. <laughs> I remember they told our, our, our goalie, Nick Janiak, there was a penalty shot until the ref skated up to him. He was like, uh, all right, you know, let you know. If you s- stop this, you might want to hide in your net <laughs> because people just start throwing shit at you after you saved a, a penalty shot. Like, it was nuts. It was fun. I, I, but my, like, I, yeah, I got, you know, we got into it all the time there. But I remember just one time taking a face off, looking up into the stands and it was a 12 year old girl at least 12 like at oldest 12 just give me the finger <laughs> and I'm just looking up I'm like what the fuck is happening like, here have I entered the it twilight was, zone it yeah. was so fun but like we would have guys who wouldn't show up for games like like three or four yeah, games in a row yeah. but the second they, like oh oh Cochran's this week they would show up to the practice before oh yeah we're ready for Cochran tomorrow you're still on the team <laughs> you yeah, like, you're still here but guys would want to come over to Cochran they'd be yeah absolutely uh, we're going out it's fun but it was actually it was Actually, the only time I was like nervous playing because you, you just you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of those things like, you know, you, you talk about young, like being young and playing like fucking grimy punk shows or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Where you don't really know, you what's, know what's gonna, gonna happen. happen. It was like that. It was yeah. that exact same <laughs> yeah. feeling where you're just like walking into a place and like, Jesus Christ, somebody get fucking stabbed tonight. Like, and I can't remember a time like where I remember. If there was a good team or any of that, like it was just—it wasn't about the call. <laughs> it wasn't about the competition. Sidney Crosby could have yeah, played yeah. out there; it didn't fucking matter. Oh, uh, it was about what the the aftermath. I remember the parents getting into oh, like. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be there if I was a parent. I would like I would have hated it. True, if you think about it, like you're you're there. And what are you going to do? Start chastising the yeah. other parents who are all apparently going to kick. Like, if they have no problem kicking your kids' ass, yes. they're, yeah, they're probably going to fight you. Like, yeah. I wonder what the parents, like, the parents of the out-of-town teams must have just said nothing and just sat there <laughs> and, like, just don't get into it. Just, just get home. Let's have the cards warmed up before yeah. <laughs> so we can just leave. Oh, yeah, I remember um, the that same season. Was it that same season? Because we had a lot of that. Like, yeah. this was, like, we talked a lot about years. the midget years, but that's really just be- when the fighting got, like, mm-hmm. out of hand. A little more intense, yeah. Yeah, and, like, we were all kind of, we were, I guess, not psychologically adults but we were physically adults so yeah. we were a little more imposing on each other but that started when we were like little kids there yeah. I don't, and it was just Cochrane nowhere else like you go to Capus <laughs> Casey you could talk to like the, the other team in between games not fucking Cochrane but it's fair they were both <laughs> pussies so you know that's true yeah. <laughs> come on those guys may be watching the show man we're gonna be alienating <laughs> we're gonna be alienating some people <laughs> uh, well there was man. always I, I say when I grew up it was always Hurst had big boys who can skate, which was and and hit, and they were hit hard. Cap skating had small kids who can pass and skate, like the wind. And Cochran, what do we have? It was just Goon City, (laughs) and we're fighting. And things because the Timmins teams, most of the Timmins teams I played for, we weren't the big passing team, we weren't the big team. We were just the, you know, we were the dumb, goons. We, we were the goons. Yeah. So when we showed up to, like, we would play the only other place that would be the goon team. It's like, well, let's go. <laughs> Get it on. And it got, it always got nuts. Yeah, it got, it got pretty bad. The, like, there are, there's probably, like, blips on the radar where it got a little bit more intense in yeah. other places, but it was just consistent. Yeah. Like, consistent. all the time. You'd walk in there, it was something about that uh, that arena and, like, the Chimo tournament. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the, one of the only tournaments that, like, gave you hostesses until you were like fucking 17 years old cap cap down. no the cap stopped they did stop they stopped right. like when we, we were st- i don't know i could be wrong about that could it have had anything to do with thunderstruck being the uh oh <laughs> fuck. 
Okay. Well, no, it wasn't because when we we played in against like, the South End team, they were the Thunder for a long time. So we'd always show oh, up and they would play yes. that that song every time. So it wasn't the song. Does Cocker know about this? <laughs> well, yeah. talked to him. they must have because when they showed up, they would they would hear it every time they would come to South that's End. That's true. Yeah. That's true. No, it was. Uh, fuck! See, I, you know what? I fucking hate that song. I heard it so often growing up. So oh fuck! It's such a terrible oh. song. Oh my god! Like I. It's not even like there are a lot of good ACDC songs, but like I don't know, Thunderstruck's not one of them. And maybe you might like it if you didn't hear it a bazillion times. No, it's not even that good. It's not even that good, no, no, but no. maybe you wouldn't hate yeah, it as you're much. Right. You're right. There, there, there. You could be onto something there. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> agreeing with me. I never agree with you. But that said, like that said, it kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier. Like this, these are the kinds of people that you. <laughs> Need to attract <laughs> to come out to a fucking show for it to start to start a scene in Cochrane. So I mean, you got an uphill battle ahead of you. <laughs> They're into watching eighteen year olds and sixteen year olds kill each other. Yeah, maybe that's so. how you need to promote promote it. You know, have, you have these aggressive shows. Yeah, yeah, and have some kind of like MMA going on at the same. Maybe time. Maybe we can play like in between the periods at the hockey game. Yeah, oh, there there you go. Go. I would say everybody would, revved out. Like. Between yeah. sets, you just have bare knuckle fighting. We're <laughs> yeah. just show up. And it could yeah. be the band who just finished gets the band who started, or just get two random dudes. We'll just promote it as a battle of the bands, and then <laughs> and then a battle. Yeah, exactly. Battle, a royal yeah. rumble. Oh, battle you guys, of the bands, battle of the fans. So we do things a little different in Cochrane. <laughs> this is how we pay our bills, folks. Yeah. This is how we get keep this stuff going. You know, we'd like to really commend fighter from the red corner who's going home with cauliflower ear and a concussion. <laughs> But, uh, you know, fighter from the blue corner was just a little bit, uh, he, he outclassed you tonight. <laughs> yeah. Got to keep your hands up next time. <laughs> but I got to say, I loved playing in Cochrane. It yeah. was actually entertaining. Oh. It was scary, but I loved it. Well, I think we love it now. We love the nostalgia of right, Cochrane. Yeah. yeah. You know? I just remember smoking cigarettes outside the bl- the building, really. I don't really remember anything. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I mean, oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you don't yeah, remember so much of what was going on inside. You were about 10 or 9? Yeah. Okay. Ten, yeah. <laughs> For real? Yeah, I don't smoke anymore, but like that was I did when I was 9. <laughs> that was the, the prime smoking years, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So that's uh, that's our conversation on Cochrane. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it, it, that, that's how much we know about Cochrane. And I, I was actually like looking forward to talking to you guys about this. Being like, Jesus Christ, this is like our nostalgia. This is what I talk about, like with my parents and yeah, Jane, yeah. yeah. Like, it's it, it, the conversation changes to Cochrane pretty often. So no, that's, no, that's pretty uh, much it, though. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. Fist fights on a Saturday night. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, you guys uh, you guys are still plugging away, making music in uh, in the small town of Cochrane, yeah. and people are still letting you make music. Kind of, yeah. yeah. You kind of think that if you're making too much noise, somebody come over and punch you in the face. <laughs> wow. yeah. We're just talking shit about the town they're from. I know, sorry, sorry. <laughs> they they more uh, put up with it than like. I don't have really have any neighbors. I we practice in the basement, so we get away with it. You get away with making a lot of noise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I And I feel like maybe that's a bit of an advantage of being in a small town and doing stuff that kind of can sometimes disturb neighbors is that, you know, people don't tend to complain as much. I think it definitely helps with uh, creativity growing up. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on for kids, so you you just found your own things to do. You find your niche, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think, and we've had this conversation about about even participation in things that, I guess, more traditional activities, like uh, just hockey in general. 
like kids have so much else to choose from today. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another nail in the coffin for starting a band too, right? Is the this idea that well, kids gonna get pulled into? <laughs> I just about to say video games, but like <laughs> fuck, I grew up on video games. I spent my like my entire childhood playing video games. I can't shit on those. But it's true. There's just so much more choice for mm-hmm. things to do today, right? And uh, you can get into different activities. Everything's so much more accessible uh, that, I don't know, maybe, it's, maybe it looks so bleak. <laughs> is, that a good, is that a good place for us to kind of like oh. to, to, to wrap up is on, on bleakness? <laughs> super super yeah. downer tone. Like, oh. Well, everybody, see you next week. Maybe oh, not. Oh, by the way, maybe, my uh, cat has feline AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> well that said i think uh we we've kind of come to a bit of a conclusion here on uh, this week's beer and bullshit uh anybody who's checking out the podcast here and hasn't checked out the separate videos that we're also producing with the uh live performances that we recorded before this be sure to go ahead and check those out um they're the sage band on facebook Go check out their their page. Give them a like. Anywhere else, like comments, you guys do uh, Twitter else? or anything else? Just Facebook, essentially? Yeah, pretty much. Instagram, yeah. Facebook, YouTube. Bandcamp, that's about Bandcamp. it. Like, yeah. Yep. yeah? You guys aren't on YouTube? Yeah, we have our videos on there, too. Yeah, but there's the whole Facebook YouTube war, so we just yeah. you get more views on Facebook. You know what? We're the same way. We get more... <sighs> Directly on Facebook's where you want to be. Yeah. But you have your YouTube channel separately, but you're not going to get the plays as much yeah. on there but so you know tough. what the problem is is the views the metrics are different yeah like a view on facebook is a three second view yeah yeah so like for a podcast like ours a beer and bullshit that lasts an hour and a half like a three second view is worthless to us that could be three seconds of somebody who's looking away on their phone while they're scrolling and it auto plays views of you right well yeah i guess <laughs> but but it, like it doesn't really get monetized on Facebook mm. on on YouTube. It does, you can, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's I don't tough. Know. It's, we're we're torn on that. We're really torn on on the. What's the view on uh, YouTube? How long is it? Uh, I think it's a certain percentage of, of the okay. video of the entire video. So we get our view count is much lower on uh, on YouTube. Yeah. But to me, it just it, they're more meaningful views. Yeah, more meaningful views. People actually have to go seek it out, so it's not stuff that just auto plays on your. Uh, yeah. Just to let you know, like Facebook is like purposely sabotaging. Yeah. YouTube oh, yeah. plays on I Facebook. Know. Yeah, that's why they're the embedded videos on on Facebook to Facebook videos get more reach and, and more distribution, which is, you know, that's the thing. Where do you, so what should you focus on? Should you focus on the one that you can monetize on or should you focus on the one that's going to get more views? That's the tough part. And Maybe like, we should have a social media expert come on the podcast. We should. Maybe one that was supposed to come on the podcast and never did. Eh? Which one? Oh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, oh. Which one? Because I know we have a friend who uh, is a quote-unquote social media guru. Oh, yes. We always okay. had him on. But uh, no, it, that's that's the tough And we, we always kind of figure out like, what's, where, where do you draw the line? Because we also have this stuff on. You know, we have our... Uh, SoundCloud, we have uh, yeah, but SoundCloud's else. like our, our, our hosting, gateway, right? yeah, our that's gateway. where we yeah. host our. But like you know, if you file. look if you look at the yeah. but if you look at the list uh, the uh, the downloads or the listens on SoundCloud, or we check out the ones on iTunes or Google Play or whatever else. You know, the numbers are probably more indicative of, of what actually people are listening to. But mm-hmm. it's you know, how do you get that sharing as well? You know, it's tough. It's I feel you guys. No, it's a tough game. 
Facebook plays a play. Yeah. <laughs> Likes alike. So that yeah. said, you guys are on, on Facebook, on YouTube. You you want people to kind of yeah, go check you guys out on Facebook and see that's where you got all your show announcements, all that stuff. Yeah. Videos, music videos are on there too. We have a whole bunch. Okay. You guys working on new releases, a tour, new uh, shows? Yeah, working on stuff. We have a video that we're about to film. Uh, it's already all scripted out. Kind of going to... Got the green screen rocking again there. So, nice. and when are you thinking that will be released? Soonish. We're recording it or filming it probably next week. So probably within the month anyway. Like you know, yeah. within the next few weeks, we'll have a video out. <clears throat> nice. So nice. Uh, it'll be the second one for this album. We already have a video for this album that came out before the album. Like I said, that Craig had filmed and stuff. So that one's available to check out. Right on. Okay, so uh, if anybody has not, like I said, if you haven't checked out Sage yet, uh, go ahead and check their stuff out. You'll be able to check out a, a couple, them playing a couple songs uh, on some live performance videos that we filmed before. And uh, that said, come and uh, check us out as well. If yeah. you're already listening to Beer and Bullshit, uh, I mean, this is not the maximum audience. We can't we can't plateau here. Mm-hmm. No. Like, fucking, I don't know how many people. We still get likes on Facebook. Yeah, we still get them. Yeah. Do you think these people are actually listening to the podcast? I do. Yeah? yeah. I do. Of course. You think so? Of course. Wow. My wife does too. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. listens to the podcast? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. And have you guys done what we've said? We always told people, grab your parents' phone or your, your, your oh, yeah. spouse's I phone. Mean, go and go subscribe yes. and go yes. lo- lo- sign them up. That's yeah. what we want people to Start go. Start a fake account and fucking like my page. Like, yeah. <laughs> We should get people to get on their kids' <clears throat> iPads and go. <laughs> yeah. Create them <laughs> an account. So I can't go, wait till my son's. Your YouTube kids' account there and just go. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till my son's old enough so I can like my page through his account. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I fucking can't wait. Yeah. We got one on the way. That's why I want to make more kids. Just, just for that. Like, there you, go. <laughs> you make an army of YouTube subscribers. More yeah. likes. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Well, on that note, thanks, everybody, for checking us out. Uh, and uh, thanks a lot to Scott and Eric for coming on the podcast. Thanks uh, for having you us. You guys have been awesome. It's been a good time. Jason, do you have any closing words for us tonight? I've been really bad with this lately, and I'm going to continue that streak right now. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is uh, drink responsibly. All right, drink responsibly. All right. Awesome. Uh, what, what, no, what's the mad thing where he says, arrive alive? Yeah. Don't don't drink and drive. Arrive alive. Yes, yeah, so that's a pretty simple <laughs> Does one. Does that one work yes. better? <laughs> yeah. Shows how much I've lived my life by that those words. Or anyway. if, you know why is it why is it only mothers against drink driving? Why is it not fathers? Because that would just be a fad. <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. That was good. I think that went over many people's heads. Right, cheers. See you guys next year.